Welcome to this Our Johnny Domino podcast, you lovely people. Remember, it's so easy to laugh, it's so easy to hate, it takes strength to be gentle and kind. And we've got a strong selection of obscure nonsense for you today. Oh, I'm going to have to do the podcast again. Hello listeners, new and old. This is the voice of Giles, the older brother in the duo Johnny Domino. And the refined younger version is Steve, and that is my voice. Thank you very much for joining us for our weird podcast. In this podcast, we basically play old songs that we recorded many, many, many years ago and talk about them. It's quite self-aggrandizing but we're doing it in a moderately ironic sort of way, and hopefully you'll find it enjoyable. Hopefully. I know we mentioned it a few episodes ago, but our first new song in 20 years has now been released, and it's on a compilation album by Artists Against Success, the label that we used to release stuff on. And there are a number of tracks by different people that we used to associate with and others that we didn't. And if you've not listened to it, I think you should check it out. The link will be in the show notes and the album is called All Goals Achieved. We've achieved the goal there of promoting that. Well done. 20 years working in marketing. 20 years. 20 years. Boom. So first song that we're going to be talking about today I think this section of the podcast should be called This Aren't Johnny Domino, because it aren't. This is a band called The Millers, which was the band that we were in prior to being in Johnny Domino. Now, The Millers, they formed from the ashes of a band we've mentioned previously. They were called Space Rat. Now, I was in my last year at school. You were at college, and we basically played in pubs in and around the Nottinghamshire area, mostly in a place called Sandy Acre. And we effectively worked as an excuse for people who were under the age of legal drinking to go into pubs and drink and cop off with each other. Absolutely brilliant. That's like the main reason for a band to exist, isn't it, really? What could be more noble than that? Oh, yeah, true, right. Right, so Space Rat, that was a four-piece band. It was me on keyboard bass. You were on guitar. You were little at this point. You were little. You were like 15. I was a little boy with your big hair. Anyway, have you finished? On your keyboard bass. <laughs> yeah. Dear listener, this is what it's like being in a band with your older brother. That's all I'm going to say. I've always been Team Liam. And I played guitar, didn't I? I never actually learned how to play guitar, but I've been the guitarist in a number of bands. Never actually learned how to play guitar. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. And then we had Brian. Brian or Jock on drums. Brian, who I have spoken to, and he has said, stop being so stupid. At the time, my name was Jock. That's what everyone knew me as. Call me Jock. So apologies to any Scottish listeners other than Jock. It sounds like a racist, it sounds like a racist slur. It does, but that's 
what he says he chose to be known as. And the only people, according to the last message I had from him, that had a problem with it were his mother and father. Okay. All right. That's what that's what we're going to call him. His name is Jock. And there was a guy called Andy who sang lead vocals in the band. Now, at one point, Jock decided not to be in space right anymore. Is the, is the listener making notes at this point? There will be a test. You need maybe get a pencil. Yeah. Because uh, you're going to need to write this down so that you can follow what Steve's talking about. You know, you can draw it. You can do a family tree. Okay. Right. So we went right, we arranged to go to Jock's house for a rehearsal and he, he decided not to be in the band anymore. So we formed another band called, it's a terrible name for a band, The Usual Rosie. And that was basically me on keyboards, you on guitar, we had a drum machine and Andy on vocals. And we did that for a bit. We sold some badges in college. People came to our gigs and got drunk and copped off with each other. But we got a bit tired of that. So we decided that what we would do was we would reform Space Rat without Andy. And that was the Millers. Yeah. So there's the chronology. So anyway, this is a band called the Millers that we were in. Uh, and it was a three-piece. Me on the mm -hmm. guitar. You play. You playing the actual bass at this I point. I graduated from the keyboards to the actual bass guitar. When you were big enough to actually hold the bass. And then it was it was Jock on the drums. And we went to Mansfield and recorded a demo. And it was in 1991, I believe. Right? It was. And this, this track is from that demo recording in a studio that I can't remember the name of. The studio was called Bandwagon. And it was like a government scheme. And it basically cost us 25 quid for a whole day in a recording studio. That's unbelievable. And this is one of the things that we did. It's a song called The Tree. One thing I'd, I'd just like to point out that, um, yes, I've stopped it because the melody and the chord structure comes entirely from the bass guitar. You're kind of playing on one string, one or two strings in the verse, and then your chorus is you just hitting one chord. Well, actually, I think I, I've got a different take on this, <laughs> to be honest, unsurprisingly. I think the the guitar 
because I'm playing within my limitations of someone who can't be asked to learn the guitar properly, is it's more like I'm creating textures rather than notes. And it's kind of in that shoegazy kind of style. It is a bit, yeah. So rather than kind of playing melodic things, I'm leaving that up to the bass, which is rather busy. Mm. And the drums are quite busy as well. Mm. So I'm just kind of laying down this kind of textury thing with the guitar. And I think, actually, I haven't listened to this for a really long time. Me neither. Listen, listening to it now, I'm thinking it's fairly effective, actually. It's true. Shall we carry on listening to it? <laughs> Five years 
He was a cracking drummer, wasn't he? He was he, such a great well, drummer. He, is. Yeah. He, still he, is. Is, he still is a great drummer. But one thing I will say is nowadays I like to think of myself as someone who is strongly against bass chords, strongly against the causes of bass chords, and that's just there's so many bass chords. I don't know, man. Uh, you've took a lot. You've took a strong stance, have you, since then against bass chords? Is it against your religion now? Live and let live. I don't mind. That. Personally, I'm not. I'm not a fan of bass chords. I'm not a fan of five string basses either. What What I get is just listening back to that now. Is just it's a bit like what we were saying last episode. It just sounds like it is such a long time ago. Hmm. It really is like listening to something that a different person did. But I actually really like it. And it sounds really young. And I oh, really yeah, like yeah. the kind of textury kind of sound of, of it all. And mm. there's some great noises. And there's some very kind of good feedbacky noises there. And I don't even know how we made those noises. Now, I've I just remembered what it was listening to it. It's me on a stylophone. Is it? I plugged a stylophone into your guitar amp, and we had like a weird gyroscope toy. Yeah, I remember that. On the bottom of a stylophone is like a tuning peg, and that gyroscope mm. fit beautifully around the tuning peg. So basically, I stuck it through an amp, put that on the back of the stylophone, and it just went mental. Yeah, and then but, it's, it stopped, but it's in it tune. Feeding back. Yeah, it's making that in tune feedback sound at the end. It's not quite in tune, but it's it's, it's, it's close enough. It's got it's some close notes. Enough, it's playing yeah. two notes, isn't it? It's mm. like feedback playing two notes, which is quite cool. Quite like the dynamics of it, how it kind of goes, like it sort of swells and slows mm. down and stuff. I don't know. It's, it's kind of it's it's weird listening to it because it's like it's like so early. It's like early compared to a lot of the other stuff we're listening to. Yeah, and we kind of were onto something there, I think, mm. but we didn't follow that up. Not really. I think I agree with what you're saying about the the shoegazy type thing, definitely musically. But your vocals are they're not as wispy as a lot of shoegaze stuff was. No, no. If it's anything, it would be like maybe more like in Kitchens of Distinction, that kind of thing, because yeah, yeah. their vocals were quite strident. Not is strident the right word, but they're certainly more in more your present. face than someone. Yeah, more present than someone like Slow Dive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, this demo, there's a guy from Norwich called Barry. Barry Newman. He really liked this demo, didn't he? He really liked it. And he was from a label called Wild Club, mostly notable for releasing records by a band called Catherine Wheel, mm. who are currently, as we record, having a massive reissue campaign. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're quite, quite well respected by people who like shoegaze music. Mm, yeah so he i think brian sorry jock must have got in touch with him sent him a demo tape he wrote back said i'd like to hear some more stuff we went and recorded another demo you know basically just to send to him but also to send around other places as well and he really liked that and he paid for us to go into a proper recording studio in 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 Great Yarmouth. In sunny Great Yarmouth. In sunny Great Yarmouth. Out of season Great Yarmouth. Mm. 
by which point we got a bass player, mostly because you were away at university. So I moved on to guitar. John Cullen, who we've mentioned previously, mm. was on bass. Jock's still on drums and recorded an album. And of the seven songs that piqued Barry's interest into the music of the Millers, how many do you think we recorded for the album? Uh, no. We recorded three. Yeah. We basically said, yeah, that's nice. This stuff's better. Yeah. The thing is, and we're going to cut a long story short here. Mm. Basically, we went and recorded a load of stuff and Barry threw some money at us Mm. to nurture us as a band. And he was kind of, I think he was hoping for like the next Edsel auctioneer or something. Right. But what he got was four grumpy people from the East Midlands trying to be Fugazi, but Mm. not, not really managing it. So the, the the actual album that we recorded, I, I mean, I was I was listening to some of it today, and it's pretty much unlistenable. Uh, well, maybe we we will look for comedy value, play some of it on this podcast at some point. But it was pretty pretty bad. Even looking at it through the rose tinted spectacles of you know this nostalgia trip that we're on. Mm. I mean, we had a great time recording and it was great fun staying at the studio and recording and stuff. Yeah. And we were there, we stayed overnight and stuff. It was cool, mm-hmm. but it was just not very good. So it never actually got released, did it? And in mm-hmm. the, in the hiatus while we were like waiting for Barry to possibly release this album, we ended up splitting up, didn't we? Well, we didn't really split up. We just stopped doing it. We just stopped doing stuff, didn't we? <sighs> like there's no breakup. There was no like meeting in a bar and talking about it and saying, hey, it's not working, uh, musical differences. It just We just couldn't be arsed. It lost momentum, didn't it? Lost, <laughs> I suppose lost momentum is, is a better way of putting couldn't be arsed. Mm. But it, there's something that you said to me once when we were listening to some other music that we'd recorded. Mm. And I've always liked the quote. You said, it's almost like we'd not heard any music. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it was that bad. I don't think it's that bad. But it is strange. It's a very peculiar thing. We were talking just before we hit record on this, and there's something quite youthful about the demos, and it's it's quite nice, and it's not naive. You know, we were quite tight as a three-piece. And I think, yeah, the demos kind of get that. But, um, yeah, the album stuff is is rough. Well, we're not playing it now, but no. we might do it at some future point. We'll save mm. that for people when when we get really desperate. Yeah. And we can have a good old laugh at that. But the the tree by the mm. Millers there, um, mm. we're gonna keep that in as a possible song to put onto the best of compilation, even though it's not by Johnny Domino. Okay, so the next song we're gonna talk about is a song called Ilkiston. Ilkiston being the town in the middle of basically in the middle, right slap bang in the middle of the country where we grew up. It's an interesting town. It's a it's your classic ex mining town. When we were growing up, if you were a girl, you got a job in Sharnos, and if you were a boy, you got a job at the ironworks. <laughs> and yeah. and we did neither. Well, it's not like that anymore no, yeah, at no, all. No. It's not. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not. There's not even. There's no factories and there's no ironwork. Mm-hmm. But so it's very. It's like a lot of towns. It's 
it's it's not really got much going on at the moment. But yeah, I mean, it was all right growing up there, but it was, I mean, the most interesting, notable thing about Ilkeston is that it's got a kind of a dialect, which is specifically just mm. Ilkeston. And, and they released books called A Up Miduk books, which kind of chronicled the the language that, that is spoken, the, the dialect that's spoken in the area. So that was quite a, a good thing about the area i suppose it wasn't really known for much one of the things it was known for it became known for was ilkeston co-op travel that was one of the things that it became it became quite famous for um, let's explain what ilkeston co-op travel is it was basically a holiday company wasn't it it's ironic really one of the reasons that ilkeston became known was uh, it was a way of getting out of ilkeston you know, you could book tickets out of Ilkeston. Oh, the other thing about Ilkeston that was really that was really notable at the time was the American Adventure theme park as well, which we both mm. worked at. And we must talk about that at some point. But yeah, Ilkeston Co-op Travel. It was just a, a travel agent, basically. But it, it had a good advert. Mm. There we go. Organising your summer holiday in January is one thing. Paying your deposit is quite another. That's why at Ilkeston Co-op Travel, you can book selected summer 2006 overseas package holidays for a deposit of... Right, but that bit, that little jingle at the start there, you see, that little bit, let me just, let me just, yes. let me just go back to that again before she starts talking. That's the bit that piqued my interest. Organising your summer holiday in January. Yeah. Gotta get away, gotta have some fun. That bit, right? I was kind of yes. into that. There was another good advert as well. That was this one. Hold on. Go on, book a holiday. You'll feel better for it. You'll feel better for it. Go on. Go on. Book a holiday. <laughs> right. I think it's the words that say, got to get away, got to have some fun got to get myself to Ilkeston, which uh, growing up in Ilkeston mm. is just hilarious. hilarious. So anyway, we, we wrote a song around that. Um, it's about Ilkeston. And at the time, we were very much into Beck and Beck's Mellow Gold album, his first album, and that whole thing. And we'll maybe have a chat about Beck in a minute when we've listened to this song. <laughs> Please. 
Alarming backing vocals on there. I like this. the needle on that record player, didn't you? Oh yeah, big time. Plug three. <laughs> when we were recording on four track, we needed a way of monitoring. So we got the old family stereo that was in the attic in our mum and dad's house out of the loft and brought it downstairs and put it in my bedroom and plugged everything into it. And it's one of those old, like a Hitachi flat hi-fi system with a tape deck and a radio and a turntable. And we decided, oh, let's do some scratching. Well, we, we couldn't do scratching properly. So the only way we could do it was to detach the belt mm. from the turntable. So it basically just span around. And um, I don't know how we managed to kind of cut it so much. I guess we must have just done that on the four track, mm. like dropping the, the record yeah, out yeah. And, and that. But I think the album that I am using on this track 
is an album called Norwegian Electronic Music. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, with the Oslo Philharmonic Orchestra and solo. I wonder if it's still available. Is it still available? Is it on Spotify? I've seen it on Discogs. And this was a record that my school music teacher gave me. Yeah, yeah. She, she gave me a number of records. I don't have the record anymore. It went to a charity shop by accident, but it's gone to a charity oh, shop. Oh, that's a pity. So somebody could find it. Go into the British Heart Foundation. You might be able to find a copy. Mm-hmm. But um, if you'd not said that we were listening to Beck and Mellow Gold a lot at this point, I think it was fairly obvious. Oh, yeah. You got a kind of a loping slack hip-hop style beat we didn't have a sampler which is why we had to create it on a drum machine and then an acoustic guitar gamely trying to play something vaguely bluesy on top now i loved all that sort of stuff and i was listening to a bit recently and i really i really like some of the songs i think pay no mind amazing fucking with my head yeah, that album's great. Mellow Beer Gold. Can. There's loads of good songs on there. And I think he recorded that album on a real shoestring. It was like recorded before he was signed. And mm. it was like a kind of, yeah, yeah it was track. like a four track, like a mm. demo album, really. And then mm. there was like a bidding war and he got signed to Geffen, I think. But yeah, Beck was amazing. Um, I, I mm. Did you ever see Beck? I saw Beck. We saw him at Rock City. On Odele, Odele tour, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I was with you. I mean, it's amazing, your memory. I, you were there with one other person, and it was me. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was to, when Brainiac supported them. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was good. It was, it, I remember the gig. Mm. Uh, it's just because, you know, I'm I'm so comfortable in your company, I just forget you're there sometimes. It's like you're an extension to myself. That's all, Steve. That's vaguely disturbing. Yeah. Did you know that it linked to last episode? Mm-hmm. That, Beck's Beck's mum, Bibby Hansen, yeah, uh, yeah. Was, was part of the Warhol factory scene. Did you know that? Did you know that? No, I did. yes, I think I did somewhere. She's a visual artist. Yeah. So that is not actually the last episode. That's well, the, the one um, before last. Oh, all right, I'm going to say that again. Okay. <laughs> did you know, Steve, that Beck's mum, Bibby Hansen, and this is a link to a couple of episodes back, his mum, uh, vi- a visual artist, was part of the Warhol factory art scene. So you see it's all linked. That is entirely new information. Yeah, yeah. And did you know that Beck's the same age as me? Is he? Yeah, he's 53, actually. So he's a bit he's older than you. No, his birthday's in July. We're born on the same year, though. Ah. Going back to the early days of the 21st century... In Derby, there was a message board called Duckworth Square. The heading for it was the Marmalade Dream of the Derby music scene. And loads of people from bands would talk about music on there and get into fights with people. And, you know, it's real kind of edgelord, bro, heroics. I I never really got into it, but were you on it? Did you? I was on it all the time. I was always kind of plugging our gigs on there, the few gigs that we did. And you know, talking about albums and things. And we did release a compilation of some of our four-track recordings mm. for free on the internet mm. because we thought, well, let's just give it away for free for a bit. Mm. And I've got the thread where people were talking about it because somebody was talking about 
well, someone called Frank Black is God goes, I come from Ilkeston. What's that song about? And somebody says, it's to me, it's about the love you have for the place you are from. Then someone underneath goes, it's all about the loss of Canto Upper School to make way for the Ikea bypass. It's about Briggs's chip shop being run by the wrong people. It's about the grumpy man from the scaler dying. It's about Rob from Zebra Music. It's about the closure of Predies. It's about playing Armidar in that arcade down the bottom of Bath Street. Who it's wrote about this? All... <laughs> no idea. It says it's about all these things and more. Well, my jaw is dropping because this is like my life. They're talking about my life here. Yeah, there's another one, right? It's also about finding this nation's saving grace by the fall, hidden among the Tiffany LPs in the co-op's Ace Record Department. Mm -hmm. It's about Dave Reynolds not being able to speak properly, but still getting you George Best. It's about the excitement of McDonald's opening and the thrills of the Albion Centre. It's about Britannia Park being the greatest failure in theme park history. It's about Checkley's. It's about Kate Fennelly and the cream cakes. I could go on with this forever. That was Kate Fennelly was at my. It was in my class at school. This what? must have been Russell. Was this Russell? Well, whoever it was, they went by the name Anton Deck. Okay. Well, whoever they were, they lived my life. And I remember commenting, going, "Who the actual fuck are you?" I wish the song actually included some of those things. It would have been those references. It would have been yeah. Great. Yes, there was there was some there's some great references there. Oh my god, Predis, Predis is beautiful. Predis. Oh my god, that's dynamite. I don't know what else to say about that song. That was our attempt to be part of the slacker movement, Generation mm. X. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say about that song is I wrote about that in my dissertation. Not that song. Good. I wrote about Beck's Mellow Gold album in my dissertation, which is all about attitudes that were prevalent in the underground music scene, which is such a weird dissertation paper to write. I wrote a lot about Nirvana, and I wrote a lot about Beck, and I wrote a lot about Pavement. Yeah. And I still got a pass. That's good. Mm. I'm I'm glad. That was a song called Ilkeston. And the next song we're talking about is another one which should be on a podcast called This Aren't Johnny Domino. What we did was we decided to create an alternate version of ourselves as an Mm. excuse to do a lot of recording when we were bored one day. And this next song is called Reaching No G for a Reason. And this is by the alternate version of Joey Domino called Jimmy Dorito. And we recorded a load of stuff one one bank holiday. And actually Mm. listening back to it, not just this song, I think there's quite a few good bits in there. Mm. And I think that in terms of being creative, I'm going to go off on one about being creative again. I think that you can sometimes, if you can just set the circumstances up to be creative, and just mm. give yourself time to do it, you could just let it go and let it happen. And that's what we did on this day. Yeah. We didn't really plan anything. We didn't really uh, work out what we were doing. We just kind of improvised. We wrote a list of song titles. Yeah. That was all we did. We wrote a list of eight song titles, and we wrote and recorded them in four hours because it was a wet bank holiday. Nothing was open. 
back in those days. Nothing was open on bank holidays. We were bored. We didn't have anything to do. So we wrote eight song titles down and we wrote and recorded them in four hours. Now, Reaching for a Reason is not from that session. That is from like a later recording. And I don't know if it was a bank holiday, but you're actually writing a song about the first recording session that Jimmy Dorito did, in a sense, says staring at a blank wall on a bank holiday. Yeah. But again, it was, it, we still kind of sort of just went for it and it wasn't yeah. really a planned piece of music. We just had the title no. and we just kind of recorded it. Yeah. And it started off as a bit of a piss take, really. But it ended up, I think, it was quite a moving song, actually. Well, I've said, a few times before to anybody that cared to listen that uh, this is one of my favourite guitar bits I ever did.
That's a beautiful thing. It is quite moving. It is. It's weird. A tear is in the corner of my eye. Man. Tell us about the guitar see, solo. What are your thoughts on the guitar solo? Do you still love it? It's the best thing I ever did. <laughs> Whatever in your life. <laughs> ever. It's the greatest thing I ever the did. finest achievement. Aside from, you know, my family. Yeah. This, this, is, um, this is it though, right? This is, this is it, yeah. yeah. Okay. This is, the, we should have just stopped after that because it just sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. This this humour in it, but over time it's become more, uh, I don't know, I kind of take it on face value now. Yeah. Whereas at the time I think when we recorded it, we were sort of like really just trying to make each other laugh. I listened to it now and I yeah. thought, think, oh yeah. We were just there on bank holiday and we were bored and we did have a couple of guitars and a four track studio. And it's just like, you know, we, 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 we did find a reason and the reason was music, mm. right? It's like, it kind of, it seemed to sort of sum it up really. Cause everybody does need to reach for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh Christ. It's true. But that was our reason. That's the reason we found. But I think we originally conceived of it as being a kind of a more of a like a Scorpions type song. Yeah. But came out a little bit more John Bon Jovi. Yeah. I was thinking more Bon Jovi Guns N' Roses, really. And particularly Bon Jovi wanted dead or alive. Uh you know, you know nice. the walk in the streets with a six string on my back, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And actually, I, I when I was uh, thinking about this episode, I actually watched the uh, video for uh, "Wanted Dead or Alive" by Bon Jovi, and it's nice. quite good actually. It's, it, I mean, it's it's kind of like your standard rock video. It's it's all shot in black and white, and but there's and there's lots of nice. there's lots of on stage footage and people kind of in the crowd, kind of doing rock faces, mm. rock faces. But there's lots of verite kind of tour footage of them looking quite sad and tired in hotel rooms and like and like wearily getting onto a private jet and then like wiping the sweat from their brow after they got off stage kind of thing. And I was watching it and I was enjoying it and I was imagining if we kind of if we'd made a, a video for that song, it, we could have done it in black and white in the same gritty way, but like of of like me going and making a cup of tea in the kitchen and you kind of like getting annoyed and, and banging your fist on the four track, you know. Yeah, yeah it's just not happening. Oh, and then like getting to the back of the Land Rover and driving to Derby, you know, via Spondon, you know, with, yeah. with Dicky Rock at the wheel. And there's all smoking in the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine that video. We need to make that happen. It's too late. We're too, we're too, too, too old. Now. Gone. It, it, it would have worked when we were like twenty something. Do you reckon we could talk your sons into doing it for us? Yeah, the oldest uh, was quite excited about the fact that we're featuring this song on this episode. So, mm, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. He like he think he likes this one. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It is a ludicrous mm, song. Yeah. Are we at the point now where we decide? which one of the songs we're going to feature on our best of compilation. Yes, we are. Good. Okay. Um, right. I'm going to give you my opinion first. I think I really enjoyed listening to the tree by the Millers. Mm. I really like the textural kind of shoegazy uh, guitar and the dynamics, 
the dynamics and the really good drumming. Um, so that was cool. Mm. I kind of sort of liked some of the music on Ilkiston. It's got the nice Twin Peaks keyboard sound. And I quite like the scratching and stuff. But yeah, you know, I don't think we were anywhere near being any anywhere near as good as back. And then reaching reaching no G for a reason. I think it's got a kind of a truth to it. <laughs> oh my god. It's got a truth to it's it. It's got a truth to which it. Which I like. There you go. That's right. So I'm gonna. I, I would say I would like to include "Reaching for a Reason" onto the compilation. Okay. Well, that's annoying because I totally agree with you. I think "Reaching for a Reason." I think we're just getting old and sentimental because it is hilarious, but it's weirdly quite moving. So "Reaching for a Reason," I think, is going to be the one that we're going to include into the hallowed compilation tape. Agreed. I've got a new section. This section is songs that sound like they were recorded by Ween, but weren't. Okay. My song that sounds like it was recorded by Ween, but wasn't, is the No No Song by Ringo Starr. Brilliant. It's a song I've never heard. <laughs> That was a good section, wasn't it? Brilliant. Do you think this one will come back next week? I think it might catch on. Who knows? Do you think? Okay. We'll see, won't we? We'll see. Right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been very enjoyable again. And we're going to be back again in a couple of weeks' time with another episode, I'm sure. If you like the podcast, please do share it with other people that might like it because that's the only way that this kind of thing can ever exist really mm. uh, it's word of mouth isn't it word of mouth like and subscribe wherever you're listening right now and if you're on a platform that allows you to leave reviews maybe write as a review apparently that kind of thing helps podcasts get seen mm.